T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. He brings the passion. For what? I want to know now. I'm, I'm mentally invested. Don't tell me to pray and you don't say what for. He brings the perspective. Yeah, I... I think they both have a great point. Get off me, text line. Uh, he's truly one of a kind. That is wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's doing a great job. I okay. need you to man up and say what you really want to say. Simon, you're doing a great job. And together, they are Stiney and Guru. Yeah. On 95.7 The Game. All righty, Matt Steinmetz, Evan Giddings with you today on 95.7 The Game. Uh, Guru will be back next week, Thanksgiving tomorrow. Also, Seahawks 49ers tomorrow on Thanksgiving. Tonight we got Warriors Phoenix. Looking forward to having a good day today, uh, Evan. How about you? Me too. Look, we got 24 hours till the turkey is being spread I don't know if you like the honey glazed ham. Uh, John in the back loves casserole, who Bonte disagrees with vehemently. Uh, wh- whatever your poison is on Thanksgiving, it's just a day to kick back and relax. And it's interesting that 
people also have to worry about their team. Although I don't know how much 49ers fans are actually worried about this game. It is in Seattle. It's a rivalry game. You've got a short week. But this is a 49ers team that feels like it's beginning to find its stride. And so I'm curious to kind of take the temperature of how worried people are about this game. Because I feel like it's going to be one of those turkey days where people can enjoy, sit back, and just watch their team get a W. Well, I'm looking at the schedule ahead and the schedule behind. And I feel like the 49ers are... Definitely back on the right track. They got to win this game, though, Thursday to make it official in a way that they're back and on the right track because... What, three in a row? Yeah, but also more like more the standings. You don't want to lose this game to Seattle because, at least in the short run, they'll have the tiebreaker over you and, and the edge in the standings. So, in a realistic way, you'd have to say, hey, we're, we're 11 games into the season and we're not... We're not in control of our division. Uh, now, it's not something they couldn't get out of, but what I'm saying is this is the kind of game where if you win and go 8-3, and three, you take total control of the division, you still have Philly in your sights, you still can perhaps run the table, get a break on home field, but if you lose to the Seattle Seahawks, I think you're essentially giving up the number one seed, and at that point, you're just kind of playing for playoff seeding if you assume that they're still going to win two or three, four more games after that. But they got to win this game to, to me, continue to establish they're one of the top two or three teams in the NFC. Yeah, from the YouTube chat, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, people chiming in about how division games matter more. It's a must win, and I, I'm with you. It's Look, it isn't as if, this game is not important to the 49ers, that they're overlooking it uh, because of who's coming up next week. And I think that having sort of a, a mini-buy built in means that if you do win this game, it can help set you up for a massive matchup with Philadelphia. But for Seattle, it's, it's also not just the one-seed, Steiny, but with Detroit playing so well, you, know, you might be in a position, you're looking up at the two-seed. And so you might have to go on the road and it basically like, if the Eagles get knocked off, then you still might have to go to Detroit. There's a lot of factors at play here, but I'm curious what people feel. Like, Is it because of the aura of Seattle? And look, the 49ers beat them three times in a calendar year last season. First time they'd done that in, what, a decade or over a decade. So is it like does Seattle still carry that aura? And does someone like Brock Purdy, whose first real road test was a short week at Lumen Field, and he went in and they took down Seattle? He is not he has not been beaten by the Seahawks as starting quarterback for the 49ers. So does Brock Purdy give fans that kind of comfort or does Seattle still have that uh, kind of I don't know dangerous atmosphere that you're worried about? Well, I got to tell you as somebody who's not a fan of the 49ers and just a a fan of the sport, I don't feel like there's any there's any aura anymore about the Seahawks if you're the 49ers. In Seattle. Correct. See, I think just because of how many heartbreaking it, it moments there have been. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's not a difficult place to play. It doesn't mean you should go up there and expect to win. But I think the days of the rivalry are, are pretty much over. But it is interesting. It's the kind of game that, you're right, if Seattle does win that, 
uh, game tomorrow. Then you start looking at the 49ers record up there in the last 15 or 20 uh, years, what whatever it is. And I just put it in the it's a tough place to play category, not anything more than that. Well, division games are always wonky. I mean, look, look what happened to Seattle last week against the Rams. Like, that's a game that they should have won. They had to go on the road, and SoFi is not even close to as hostile of an environment as Seattle is, and they lost that football game. So I'm I'm not counting out some wonky things happening. It's also a Thursday. I, I don't understand how people's bodies can recover at the full rate that they do in three days' time. 49ers also have to travel, so I think they're leaving today, which means they have one less day of practice. Like, how you approach that. I know we're going to talk to, to K.J. Wright, former Seattle uh, Seahawks linebacker, and get into some of the, the nitty-gritty with him, but to, to me, this game is important the way that the 49ers are, are still looking up. And, and I do think the one seed is still in play, but you have to like you, you do have to win this game. I'm not sure you have to win it going away though. Um, but also the way I look at it too is I, I do think Brock Purdy gives me more comfort feeling like the 49ers can handle whatever rivalry atmosphere, anything you want to throw in there that would make this game difficult. Brock Purdy to me continues to pass every test and this is going to be another one for him that I expect him to pass. This is a game to me where the most important part of it is is actually the standings. It's less for me psychological and more you win this game you're 8 and 3, you're two up on Seattle and you already have a win against them in the back of your pocket. If you lose this game, you and Seattle are both 7 and 4. I know I'm just explaining what everybody can determine themselves anyway, but then you're even with Seattle. They have the tiebreaker at that point. And then you do have to look and say, well, now it's only a six-game season. we got to be closer to really, really good uh, to get uh, to get the kind of seed we want. I think we all agree if they lose to Seattle, you can pretty much... Not that it couldn't happen, but you lose to Seattle, you can't expect to be number one. I, I still think there's a path to getting the number one seed, but... It doesn't include losing to Seattle tomorrow. You got to sweep Seattle. No, I mean, I look. It's not looking like the Eagles right now are going to lose more than two, maybe three games the rest of the way. So if you're the Niners, thirteen and four, which was your record last year, is probably the floor. Like that is what you have to find your way to into. So you got you got one loss, maybe two, to play with. This can't be one of them, and. As much as the 49ers have, even when they've been really good, and I think it is also aligned with times in which the Seahawks have been really good, Seattle does have that. It's not, it's not the 12th man. I, I, I don't buy too much into that, but I think that Lumen Field, just because of, I don't know, like road games are just are tough in the NFL. And. The 49ers have won every single home game this year. They've looked up and down on the road. And I don't think it's also a coincidence that during that three-game losing streak, a couple of those heartbreaking losses also came on the road. So I like I guess the question is how much adversity do you feel like the 49ers will face in this game? And Brock Purdy had a little bit of adversity last year against Seattle because he was playing with the broken ribs. It was his first Thursday night game. I think it was his first road game. 
and he pretty much passed with flying colors. I think this is a better Brock Purdy this season than last season, and I expect him to do the same. It's not I don't expect him to go in there and blow him out, but if it happened, would you, would you really be shocked if the Niners just waxed the Seahawks on Thursday? Give me a score. 28-14. to 27-14. Same score as the I, Buccaneers game. That, yes. I mean, no, no, no. I would not be surprised at 27-14. I thought you were going to throw a, a guru special 38-3 at me. And um, that, oh. one I, that one I'd probably say, yeah, that would surprise me. I, wh- what I'm wondering is if, if, if I'm talking to you and you're a Niner fan, and I'm saying, hey, you guys are going up to Seattle, big game. The winner will have the edge in terms of the division. What uh, you know? What worries you the most going up to Seattle? You know what I'm not thinking right off the top of my head? Brock Purdy. He's not the first answer when I say, boy, what, what, what worries you about going up to Seattle? I guess what worries me, if I were a Niner fan, about going up to Seattle is... Just that it being a national game, Seattle coming off a loss, they know it's a big game. The atmosphere should be pretty charged, and sometimes in games like that, the emotion can get you off to a good enough start to carry a long way. So that's, to me, what what I'd be worried about if I'm a Niner fan. At the same time, what I'm describing is the 49ers falling behind a little bit early. Would that be the worst thing in the world? knowing that that's the one area that Brock Purdy uh, hasn't had a lot of opportunity in. That's the one thing that I heard Steve Young talking the other day about how at some point or some points in the future, he's going to have to rally his team from behind, uh, which he's done uh, infrequently because he's had to do it infrequently. He's only done it once. I mean, he's got one fourth-quarter comeback. That was last year. Against the uh, Raiders? Yeah. That's the only one. It's the only fourth quarter comeback he's had. So that's, if you want, if you want that process, uh, process to start tomorrow, then he may have to do it. I mean, I personally don't want to see it because then you run the risk of maybe losing that game. Like, yes, I, I do want to see Brock Purdy challenged. I want to see the 49ers challenged, but. I would prefer that I would prefer that that come next week in a game on the road against Philadelphia. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, to me, this game is, and there. I guess if, if I had a concern, and they're more smaller things, like there's no injuries per se to to the offensive big boys. Like he's he's got Trent, he's got Debo, but you know Spencer Burford's questionable at the guard position. Aaron Banks was limited in practice; he might not play, so they're a bit banged up at the offensive line. That's going to impact the running game and potentially Brock Purdy and his passing, although he's been really good despite the offensive line statistically not being at a top level, a top flight level this year. So also, is is Talanoa Hufanga going to be missed in the secondary? You know, how much is Jair Brown going to be asked to step up? Like there's, there's kind of those smaller factors. But to me, if we're talking about the quarterback position, then the only way that I feel like the 49ers don't have a chance in this game, is if Seattle finds a way to outshoot them. And so maybe maybe the secondary is a bit compromised, and Seattle's got some weapons. Geno Smith didn't finish that game. I think he's going to play on Thursday. But if it's Drew Locke, I'm not scared. If it's Geno Smith, then I think Seattle's only path to victory tomorrow night is to outshoot the 49ers. And 
with the amount of points that Brock Purdy has the ability to put up in a hurry, I like the 49ers' chances, whether it's a shootout or a dogfight. I like the 49ers' chances because I think they're more talented than most of the other teams in the NFL. According to uh, John, John Paul, since 2012, the Seahawks at home against the 49ers are 8-2. and two. Yep. Yeah. Now, this is what I love about stats. Now, John, you looked this up, correct? Okay. So, you're going back to 2012, right? Now, that leads me to believe you went back to 2012 for a reason. You could have gone back to 2011. Because what you happened in 2011? What happened in 2011? Who won that game? The 49ers. In Seattle. Okay, so now right. they're 8-3 and in past 11. Hey, did they play in 2010 up there in uh, Seattle? <laughs> the Seahawks might have won that one. They did, and Seattle won. Okay, we're going to just omit that one. <laughs> or we're just going to put that, so they're 9-3. and three. And then, just real quick, what happened in uh, 2009? Seattle won again. Okay, so we're going to stop it at 8 of 11. Yeah. Okay, they've won 8 of their last 11 But that year home. is significant, Why? the 2012 season, because that was the first year that Russell Wilson was quarterback. Well, he... See? And... That was the first year we began to learn about the Legion of Boom. So, What's your point? My point is... My point if, is it hasn't been that much of a house of horrors. Well, it kind of has. Apparently, eight, you go back all the way to 2009. Eight, eight and three? You've won three times in the last 11 in years? That's Pete, not bad. In the Pete Carroll era. That's not bad. They haven't had much it's success. It's a road game. First of all, when you play on the road, you're... you're three out of 11 is good? It's. I did not... Hey. Hey. You just said that. Hey, Spadoni. I said, eight, the tape. I said three of eleven. They're they're three and eight in their last eleven at Seattle. Who are you, you talking about? That's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, I said it's not. That's not a house of horrors. A house of horrors is when the Warriors lost twenty six in a row at San Antonio to the Spurs over a decade. Okay, that's a house of horrors. Come on now. Well, yeah, it, I mean, it's not a Mahomesian streak against his division where, like, every team's beat him once, and it Easy. took the Broncos 13 years to do it. Well, not 13 years, but however long he's been in the NFL. Bottom line is, 49ers go up there and they win 30% of the time. Yeah, that's 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 not ideal. No, it's not ideal. Especially but when... I, I, I'll tell you what. I guarantee you we will find many, many teams that have won uh, three... Or fewer games on a road venue over an 11-week period. I'll, I'll give you three out of 11 if the 49ers were not favored in those games. Like, on tomorrow night, the 49ers are going to be, what, six, seven-point favorites? They are seven. Yeah, so they're they're favored by a touchdown. Okay. I guarantee you if they were seven or more point favorites in Seattle, they would, like, you should be better than three and eight. Right, that, but that's, that's just this year. No, but my point is... Well, I I guess I'm, I'm so, curious. In, in other sure. words, in other words, what what did Tom, can I assume Tom Sula and Kelly never won in Seattle? Probably not. Okay, that's two right there. That yeah, they they shouldn't have won those games. Of course they shouldn't have. So that's two you can throw out. And then what about the first two Shanahan years when they stunk the 49ers? They win any of those? Was it seventeen eighteen? No, because they hadn't sounds won. Sounds like a lot of excuses. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, when they've had so the... Shanahan's first two years, did he beat Seattle in Seattle? No, because he won in twenty nineteen, right? Okay, so in other words, four of the now we've determined. I love this. See, I should have been an investigator. 
So what we're saying is the, for, the 49ers, they've won 3 of 11 of the last games in Seattle. So they're 3-8. Mm-hmm. and eight. But what we've also found out is four of those losses in a row came Ke- uh, Tom Sula, Kelly, Shanahan, Shanahan. That would be four of those losses at Seattle because all four of those teams, they stunk. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. So let's dock those four. So really, the Niners, in years where they have a competent football team, are three and four in the last 11 years in Seattle. Oh, my sure. gosh. That, that's called, you know what? We may as well be in chemistry. No, not chemistry. What, where do you dissect the frogs? Forensics? What do you biology. biology. We may as well be in biology. Because I just absolutely debunked this Seattle is a tough place to win. You're welcome, Bay. But you're still below 500. Yes, but you're on the road. Well, and actually, and mm-hmm. you want to throw the playoff game in there. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Three and five. Michael Irvin. Oh, my God. I tell you what. So you're saying tomorrow's a cakewalk? Is I'm saying, saying I'm saying this may be the easiest venue the 49ers play in all oh year. Oh my god! On the road, certainly easier uh, than Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Oh god, the dog pound, Minnesota. Oh, the, the blowing the, the horn, dome. Yeah, the hole. Yeah, I you mean, don't just walk into U.S. Bank and exit without a pound of flesh being taken. Oh my god! Thank you. You got to admit. Anytime the Niners are good, they just go up there and win. Mm-hmm. They literally don't. You guys like that out in the Bay? This whole this whole jinx. Oh, tough to win in Seattle. Let's look about. Let's look inside the numbers a little bit. Hey, there's a surprise. The year they went one in fifteen, they lost in Seattle. Wow! Can you believe that? You want to check Jim- numbers? <laughs> Tom Sula. They didn't win in Seattle under Tom Sula. You're kidding. In the Shanahan era, he's two and five. But, but that's not very good. But last time I checked, knock off the two years. Why? Because we were rebuilding. So he's two and three. That's exactly. still below five hundred. That's right. But that's, that's not good. On the road, it's not anything that you'd think twice about. If you're a team that expects to. If you're compete for a Super Bowl, if you're four and one, uh, if you're four and two, should you be two, a sub five hundred road team? Oh, I'll bet you there have been a, a f- several sub five hundred road teams that have been very successful in the postseason. Uh, John, how many times has Mahomes gone into Mile High Stadium and won? Every time, but once. Uh, What's the point? The point is that's that's a good team. Who the Chiefs? And when they've had a good team, right. they have beat the Broncos just about every single time. So you're saying when the Niners are good, right? Going two and three based on your math, or two and no, five in reality is a good I, record. No, what I'm saying is, you, teams that make the playoffs usually go. I'm going to use a 16 game example: uh, six and two at home, three and five on the road. That gets you. Or seven and you go seven and one at home, and you go three and five on the road. See in the playoffs. If you're okay with a 10 win season, and well, most teams probably going to go. Most teams don't have a 10 win season. Most teams have fewer than 10. When you have a 10-win season, you're one of the best teams in the league. 
So in that one year, you have what if you go, happen to go four and four? Shanahan wins tomorrow. Now he's three and three. Okay, the Warriors last year won forty four games. Were they one of the best teams in the league? No, but they were a top twelve team because they were a six seed. If you're a ten win team, you're in the top third of the league. I think you're a little higher than that. There's thirty two NFL teams. How many teams won? Well, you can't do it with a seventeen game schedule. I was I was yeah, using ten, 10 and seven. Well, ten and sevens. Okay, so okay, the year I'm talking about, you go three and five on the road, eight and one at home. Boom, you're eleven and six. You don't have to be five hundred on the road. No, but you can't be below five hundred. Like, look at the Niners. They haven't lost at home, right? Yes. That's why they're seven all and three. I'm, all the point I'm trying to make is it's <laughs> going to be a lot tougher than you think in Seattle. No, I, we don't know that. Yes, we do. How do we know that? <laughs> because there's literal evidence to support that it's tough. Like I, I understand you're trying to calm the concerns no, of I'm, these 49ers no, fans. And, what I'm, well, you're really you're trolling, but I am absolutely, positively not trolling. But you, you, if you play a team on the road 11 times, I think even good teams are going to go five and six. But the 49ers haven't gone five and six. Correct. They've gone three and eight. Yeah, you're not good every year for 11 years. Correct. But that's what I'm saying. So, so, so you're never going to go there. You're never going to be a good road team if you lose a lot of games, period. What I'm saying is the fact that they went up there and lost four straight, two Shanahan years and two before, there's nothing to do with the stadium. Those teams stunk. Just really quick, I want to throw a little nugget there. It be- only if it supports what I'm saying, Sam. <laughs> it might. Um, so and I don't even know anymore. Of, in the history of Lumen Field, which opened up in 2002, yeah. the Niners are 6-16 six and 16 there since that stadium opened. So okay. John did the last 10 years, which obviously includes those Tom Sula, Chip Kelly years that don't count. Right. But this is going back to 2002, which includes you know the Mariucci teams with mm. you know Jeff Garcia, then the other later teams with Alex Smith, some of those early Harbaugh teams. Sure. But does that kind of change your opinion at all, Steiny? That that fact that they're six and sixteen uh, overall at Lumen Field. I, I would need so much more data. For example, what the Niners' record is at every other well, visiting six and venue. Sixteen doesn't sound that bad. I mean, if we're talking about road records here, right? Not terrible. Not no. That's literally. Ter- it's not good, but it's not terrible. What is your definition of terrible? Like three and seventeen. That's terrible. That's awful. That is well. That's what I just said. I okay. So, so I'm more precise with my words. Three more wins is not that bad. Correct. Steiny, I'm just telling you. Look, you're cool with going six and on. sixteen on and the road in twenty years. I also, I'm not cool with it at all. What I'm saying is, it sounds there like are, you're there are smiling so, right now. What I'm saying is that many other teams in many other cities have what they consider dry spells or tough places to play, sure. and their record is far worse than three and eight in their last eleven games at a venue. That's all I'm saying. So basically, the 49ers could have lucked into a couple of those wins, but they didn't. That's why they're three and eight in the last maybe, eleven. Maybe, maybe. You look frustrated. You almost look aghast. Because I, I I don't know what you're trying to e- explain right now. Like I just told you, what I'm trying to explain is that the 49ers' last 11 years in Seattle haven't been as bad as people think. That 3-8, and eight, even though it's, is it a good record on the road? No, but it's less of a bad record on the road than it would be at home. But why is it 
less of a bad record because that's a tough divisional well, because, road game. Well, because which road, is what we're talking road about. games are harder to win. You're gonna have a better record at home than you are in on the road. So you have to adjust for the fact that all road records aren't going to be as high standard wise as your home games. Yes, numbers wise. Sure. Yeah, the Warriors won nine road games last year. weren't good. I don't know what you're trying to say there, but I don't like it. Sounds like you're trying to stick it to me, quite frankly. you got to hit a break. Um, You know what? It is Warriors Wednesday. Uh, Brought to you by Freedman's Appliance, a trusted name since 1922. Visit freedmansappliance.com today. Also, that segment brought to you by Lucky California. More on the other side. Now, back to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. Oh, man. All right. You're in I lo- trouble. In my never-ending quest to find common ground. No doubt. It's why I am thinking politics at some point, because we need a uniter. So Good luck. Sam Lubman just brought to my attention. So the Niners are 3-8 and eight in their last 11 at... In Seattle. In Seattle. Oh, I said that's not a house of horrors. Okay. I maintain that is not a house of horrors. However, however, Sam Lubman noted that from 2012 to 2018, the 49ers lost seven straight regular season games in Seattle and a playoff game. I am more than willing to say from 12 to 18, that place was a house of horrors for the Niners. Since then, I do think they've, like, that's over. Like, that that period's over. Yeah. And, and I also think, in a way, the way you end stuff matters. And if I'm not mistaken, the way that thing came to an end was Dre Greenlaw, uh, saving the day. Making a big play. Th- three inches line. from the goal yep. line. So, can we, so that's, what do you think? Well, no, no, it, it sounds like what you're trying to say is they've exercised their demons yeah, in Seattle. Sure. So I don't know if they have or haven't, but to me that's more based on who, who the teams are. And right now, the Seahawks, like why I don't think the 49ers are afraid of the aura of Lumen Field or former, formerly CenturyLink is because of who's on the other sideline. Not because there's ghosts of you know, Richard Sherman or... Uh, Doug Baldwin hanging around, like not because Russell Wilson's still in the building, it's or even Pete Carroll, like it's because they believe that they're a better football team than the Seattle Seahawks. But to your point, if you're asking about why it might matter to 49ers fans and why they might feel this way, who do you think the like okay the last eight years, or yep. ten years, whatever, who's been the worst team in the NFC West? Arizona, correct. In Seattle, since 2013, Arizona has gone into Seattle, and they have won six times. Oh, looks like they got a little good fortune there. Precisely my point, though, because these are, to your argument, these are tough road division games. And the 49ers, since 2013, have won twice, was it? Easily explained. And the Cardinals have won six times. Meanwhile, let's go to the Rams. The Rams have had some good fortune, too, right? They won a Super Bowl. They've been to playoff appearances. Uh, Sean McVay, 
since 2013. Well, I guess he wasn't the head coach, but the Rams since 2013 have won six times in Seattle. Okay. So the 49ers have won the least at Lumen Field of every division opponent. That's why I think fans still believe that place to be haunted or whatever. Now, I don't think that applies to this year, but you can't tell me that fans don't have a case when they're afraid of Lumen Field when it comes to the 49ers. I think they're living in the past, though. Sure. Because a lot of... And what I pointed out was a bunch of those losses happened when Seattle... Like, you weren't you were, you were weren't good enough to beat them. Well, neither were the Arizona Cardinals, but they've still won six times in ten years. Okay. That's... that's I get what you're saying, but... The reason that the I bet the Cardinals were better than the Niners during those four years, from the last two before Shanahan to the two after Shanahan started. Yeah, but they're not a playoff team. Like they're not. They didn't have a string of great teams like the 49ers have had. All I'm trying to say is that I hear anyone that is worried about the still? Niners. Well, still, I, I wouldn't be worried about this game or this season. Well, actually, I take that back. I think these games are tough, and the 49ers fans have enough evidence, history, whatever, to feel like it's not going to be a cakewalk. But I still think the 49ers should and will win this football game because there does appear to be a new leaf turned, and that's at the quarterback position. Brock Purdy did not seem phased at all the way that some quarterbacks under Kyle Shanahan have in Seattle. He played very well. He didn't turn over the football, and he played... With broken ribs. All of those things don't apply to this matchup this week. And that's why I think Brock Purdy and the 49ers are going to handle the Seahawks the way they should. They're going to get right back to the end of season, one seed race. And we're going to be talking on Friday like it's a victory Friday. Who won last year in Seattle? The Niners. 21 13, I think. And in the regular season? The Niners. They won. Oh, okay. they, they beat them three times last year. Okay. Twice in Seattle? No, once in Seattle. No, once in Seattle. Okay, then what about the year? What about the year before that? They lost. About the year before that, and probably won. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. No, they lost. Okay, so they can even their record at three and yes, three after can. the last oh six. My God. <laughs> That's it. I mean, Brock you, Purdy you is one and zero in Seattle. That's all okay. I care about. How about this? Find, find, like my what my point is is if you look at the 49ers' road record during their miserable years, like they have no. Let's move on. Oh, you you sure? Thank you. You tell me what what we disagreed on, though. That's like we didn't. You're right. I seven in a row is a house of horrors. I think that's over, though. Well, you give me that. But you, yes, I can see how. Sure. Okay, I'll, so Forty Nine er fan, I'll give you that. It's going to be a tough game. It's a rig. It's going to be a tough game, but it's no. I think, a lot of time. A lot of has dis- to do with. I think what we disagreed on was your premise that going three and eight in eleven years is okay. I I see. I never said okay. Or but, is not bad. Well, it's not terrible for some teams on the road. You just don't win as many on the road. Like, like you, No, no. I, yes, your winning percentage. Pick another subject. Your winning percentage is better at home a subject. than it is on the road. Yeah, Brock Purdy's want to know. He is, and that's why I feel good about this game. Because what what is, again, and not, not to rehash our, our argument, but if there is a difficult place... To play, or that's been shown difficult to play for a 49ers quarterback, it's been Seattle. And Brock Purdy passed that test, in my opinion, with flying colors. 
because it was a short week last year, same situation of this year. He was playing injured last season, and I think it was his third or fourth game or third or fourth start in the NFL, and he went into that building and did not look like a rookie quarterback. And that's where, you know, people in talking, I, I know... He's never he, looked like a rookie quarterback. No, but people are still waiting in for a way, him to. In a way. Well, all right, during the three-game losing streak, he made some rookie mistakes. That happens. Our first-year starter mistakes. His last year's his rookie season. I don't think Brock Purdy is, again, when I think about that game tonight, uh, tomorrow, I, I don't... I don't go in there saying, boy, I'm worried about Brock Purdy. Now, that's going to be easy to say uh, when we come back on Friday if he throws two interceptions. Uh-oh. What are we going to say? Can't You know, like, we'll make something up. But the reality is he, he might have a bad game tomorrow. They may be 7-4, and four, and he may have one touchdown, two picks, and he's still having a pretty good year. Yeah, he is, but... I think, and this is a credit to him, people are at the point in which a game against the Buccaneers, to some, is not impressive or is oh, not... I, I, I'm not going to disagree that some people don't think it was impressive. But no, but to me that is, that is a credit to him because he's already gotten to the point where we expect him to demolish a team that he's two touchdown favorites against. It's not like we expect him to all of a sudden turn into a mistake-prone quarterback. Like, Brock Purdy has the highest quarterback rating or passer rating of any quarterback in their first 15 games in his career. That is the bar that he's set for himself and that the offense under his direction has set. So anytime he doesn't meet that, there's going to be people that are going to come down his road and they're going to be idiotic. But to me, Brock Purdy is a quarterback that I trust to win just about every single football game in the regular season and in the playoffs. Now, after I assume another 17 game, he's I assume he's going to get through the end of the season healthy. Brock Purdy gives the Niners a great chance to win the Lombardi. Well, he gives them the best chance of anybody I think they've had under Shanahan. And, and, th- and this is something, too, because in relation to the 49ers, like we were talking about off the Monday Night Football game, Philly and, and KC, I think there are some parts about Kansas City, even though the last team that beat the Niners at full strength, if we're talking with all their weapons, uh, I guess Brock Purdy didn't play at this game, but McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, Trent, Kittle, the last team to beat them was the Kansas City Chiefs. I think this is a different Chiefs team than last year. So you could make the argument, and I believe it to be so right now, that the team that has the inside track to being favorites in the Super Bowl is going to come from the NFC. The top of the NFC right now has demonstrated it is better than the AFC, than the top of the AFC. And a lot of that is, you could say it's because of some injuries and you know a lot of quarterbacks have gone down on the AFC side. But the top four teams, if you just look at the 49ers, the Eagles in no particular order, the Lions, and the Cowboys, are better to me than the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Dolphins, and pick a 6-14. and I, Can I take it that you're saying the 49ers were not beat at full strength by the Eagles because Purdy got hurt early in that game? Yes. Okay. I take a little exception to that, but I'm not... Well, what do you I don't want to get. I don't want to get. 
whether you think the 49ers would have won that game or not, it doesn't matter. Do you matter. think they would have won that game? I think it would have been close. Hmm. I mean, I don't know one way or the other, but I think there's a... I make a, dif, a differentiation between a guy who's hurt coming into a game when... I don't know how know. in that game you can say for sure one way or the other one team would have won. Really? Yeah. I, I think most people... I think most people would say, yeah, Philly probably would have won that game. I think but, it, but who like who cares what people well, say it, now? It also could have been a similar situation to Monday night, where I'm sure a lot of Chiefs fans feel like they should have won that football game because guy dropped a touchdown pass that would have given them the lead with forty seconds left. And I'm sure a lot of Eagles fans are saying, Well, you had three quarters to prove it and you didn't. And Philadelphia is the better team, that's why they won the football game. So Yeah, the only thing the only Small distinction that I would make, again, is that I was thinking of when a team comes into a game and they're missing McCaffrey and Debo. Well, guess what? You're you're in trouble. But I don't – I look at it differently when Purdy starts the game and gets hurt. Like, that may have something to do with Philly, you know, and and how great they are and how physical they are. I, I all I'm saying is I make a slight differentiation between like they started the game at full strength against the Eagles. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, no, they, they did. 49ers didn't just lose Curry in that game. They also had to go to, uh Purdy in that game. They almost had to go to Christian McCaffrey at quarterback. Yeah, I never figured out why they didn't. Cause they were they were talking like he was their third or fourth string quarterback. I mean that yeah, that that game was over the same way that the Cincinnati Bengals season is probably over. Because Joe Burrow's out for the year. Uh, Steiny, based on what? Brock was hurt, and they scored when their receiver dropped a pass and was called a completion. CMC was running all over. Oh, he's talking about the flag. That's okay. like, It's neither here nor there. You, you lost the football game. That's that's really all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's but, why? Yes, you're right. When the Who's beaten the Niners when they've had all... Yeah, could you make a case that nobody has beaten the Niners... Uh, when McCaffrey and Purdy have been healthy, and well, they've been healthy they've since those two yeah. since those two have played together. Yeah, I mean, look, the Eagles were favored in that game. I'm sure they're going to be favored next week, even though it's at home. In or sorry, the the 49ers are coming off of a longer week. Um, the the Eagles quietly have a pretty condensed schedule. This this next you know this three game span between a short week on Monday night into Buffalo this weekend, and then. The 49ers have a rest advantage going into Philly. But I'm sure the Eagles will still be favored in that game. I think it's why this game is important because if you beat Seattle, you set up a chance to close within one game to Philadelphia. And if the Eagles lose this weekend against Buffalo, which could happen, I think Josh Allen is a quarterback that could go into Philly and will that team to a victory. Then... You set up a chance to tie Philadelphia if you beat Seattle, and you'd also have the tiebreaker. So that's to your point earlier. Like that's why this game is important. You cannot look Seattle not not overlook Seattle not just because it's a a tough place to play or whatever, but because you need the win if you want the one seed. Well, that's and that's what it all comes down to with me too. And you know what I said earlier is that. The reason this is a big game is because of the standings to me more than uh, more than anything else. And you you just outlined it, you know, uh, laid it out perfectly. Bottom line is if you if you win the game, you're in control of the division, and everything else is still at your fingertips. 
You lose this game to Seattle, you're not even in control of your division, and essentially you can throw home field uh, throughout the playoffs out of the window. Like, that's what it... Those are the reasons to me that it makes it a really big game. Because you don't... To me... You just got right. You're seven and three. It looks like you're ready to start to make that big push. You can't stub your toe here and then look and say, geez, after 11 games, we think we're having a pretty good year, but a little dry spell. We're not even in first place because we don't have the tiebreaker right now. Then you're putting, then what you're doing is putting a lot of pressure on yourself to basically beat Philly, then beat Seattle again. Which they can do, but you'd rather get tomorrow. Well, of course, and and if you're the Seahawks, you also got like you got a really tough schedule because you're going to have to play San Francisco twice in two weeks. I believe they also get Philly and the Cowboys. So, like the 49ers have a chance to not just end the division, you know, gain a game or two on Seattle and have the tiebreaker. But I also I'm not imagining that the Seahawks are going to go three and one in those four games. So they're probably going to drop one or an additional one. They're going to drop two or three games, and then the Niners can really look up and say, "All we care about is either the one seed or if you believe that health is the only reason that the Niners have not, with this current iteration, gotten further than the NFC Championship. If you think that health is the most important thing for this 49ers team." then this game is also huge because if you have a lock on the division and you don't really think the one seed is attainable or you lose in Philly, God forbid, then you can approach the rest of the season with more of a load management type approach and you can find a way to be at full strength believing that at 100% you can go into any building and beat anyone. I mean, it's a it's a fair question. Would you rather go full speed ahead uh, somehow finish thirteen and four, fourteen and three, and get home field throughout the playoffs. But you're you're kind of hurt, banged up. Or would you rather go in as the third seed? But for lack of a better example, like the Warriors two years ago, when everybody got healthy right before the playoffs started, and they ended up running the table. They did it from the number three seed. That's always a question you kind of I think ask yourself. Let's go to. Let's go to Bobby. Bobby's in San Jose. What's up, Bobby? How you doing, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Happy Good. Thanksgiving. Yeah, same Thanks, to man. you. Good. Um, have you guys heard of the uh, the QB School YouTube channel, JT O'Sullivan? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I I don't know if you guys saw the video this past week, but I wanted to uh, ask a question about something in it. Um, it was really interesting. I mean, these are always just great videos for anyone who doesn't know it. It's J.T. O'Sullivan just dissects quarterback play, and he did a whole video on Purdy's performance um, against the Bucks. And and there was one part of the video that was really interesting. Like, it was a simple play. I can't remember when in the game it was, but it was an incompletion to Kittle on the right side, like a short route. And what wasn't like. O'Sullivan was really critical of that play and not just because of the incompletion. If you look to Purdy's left pre-snap, you'll see that there's there's just very clearly outnumbered on the, on the line. There's like five bucks to four Niners. And the point he made was that itself isn't a problem, but the problem is 
why would you leave yourself so exposed on one side if you know that your primary receiver is on the other side? And he kind of used that to catapult into a point that apparently he's made before that the Niners are so chronically bad at protecting their quarterbacks in positions like this. And he said the simple solution would be like any quarterback could see that pre-snap issue. The simple solution would just be calling an audible move like an extra blocker to the other side. My question to you guys is, is, is that how much control Kyle Shanahan has over the play calling? Like, I know that Purdy can't just call whatever he wants, but, like, can he literally not even call to protect himself in a situation that seems to warrant it so badly? That's all I got. Yeah, Have a I'll, great day. And I'll tell you what, I'm not going to pull any punches. Evan loves this show. I do. With uh, J.T. O'Sullivan, so you probably know more about the specifics of what he's talking about. Well, in in general, I don't think too many young quarterbacks have the ability to overrule their play caller. Like, for example, Jordan Love in Green Bay is probably going to take whatever Matt LaFleur gives him and roll with it and trust that his play caller is putting him in the best position to succeed. But to me, that's that's an example of a a 23-year-old quarterback maybe misidentifying a protection. But also, I'd imagine throughout the course of a full football game, if Brock Purdy's going 21 of 25 for 330 and three touchdowns and not throwing an interception, then that is like that. That's an example where JT O'Sullivan could take the one thing that he sees that might be a concern and extrapolate it to have a conversation because otherwise you're going to go through the rest of the game and you're going to say, well, that was really good. That was a great read. That was really good. And just 20 times down, basically just you know apply praise to this guy. So you have to find some situation to probably teach. And that's the whole point of the, the quarterback school. So I, I don't think he's saying Brock Purdy is bad pre-snap. In fact, I, I've heard him say Brock Purdy's elite pre-snap. But he made one wrong decision among you know 60 offensive plays. I think that's a pretty good percentage. Yeah. Also, to his point, there was a play which I think demonstrated a little bit of growth from Brock, Brock Purdy. It was... Might have been that first drive, whichever they they went into the red zone and they came out with a field goal, and it was on second or third down. But Brock Purdy threw the ball through the back of the end zone because there was no one open. I wonder if in prior weeks, and especially coming off the Jacksonville game in which he did force a few balls into the red zone and he was rewarded with touchdowns, I wonder if that's a conversation that he has with Kyle Shanahan during the week. And Kyle says, "Hey, in that spot, I need you to throw the ball away because the only way that a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to beat us is if you give them the ball, is if you give them extra possessions. It's okay if you take three points in that football game. It might be okay if he takes three points against Seattle because you got a great defense behind you. You got great weapons that you can go down and score with on next on the next few possessions. So don't be afraid to not get overly aggressive. That is who Brock Purdy, I, I think that's who Brock Purdy is. That's also a great thing that separates him from his predecessor, but as long as you take care of the ball, we can win games. And so I think in that situation against Tampa Bay, I saw some growth that I hadn't seen him do prior to. I, I think he is making better decisions with the ball. I mean, look, he he was 21 for 25, three touchdowns, 300-plus yards. That's everybody's wonderful fantasy day, right? Anybody would take that game uh, from their quarterback. The The reality to me is there's just – only so many of those games you're going to have over the course of a season because 
the game plan called for him, or at least Kyle Shanahan thought so, to do that against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The game plan may be different tomorrow against Seattle, and he'll only throw 19 times, and he'll only have one touchdown pass. But we'll see McCaffrey and the running game be a little bit better. That's, that's to me, the one thing that always gets lost in kind of the numbers is, you know, why was Purdy great one day and terrible the next? Obviously, the numbers are going to imply why either way, but that's there's a lot more to it than that. That's all I'm saying. Hey, by the way, the uh, Golden State Warriors, they play tonight in Phoenix, Evan, and I can't believe it, but we've missed we've missed one of the biggest storylines for tonight's game. Oh, and, and why tonight? Yeah, tell me on the other side. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you on the other side. I'm going to tell you on the other side on 95.7 The Game, and I'm going to tell you that now's a great time to download the Odyssey app during the holidays, you can listen to all four hours of Steiny and Goo, plus outstanding segments uh, like the Morning Roast. They had Anthony Slater on today. Willard and Dibbs had Steve Kerr on yesterday. Great interview. Get it all on the Odyssey app. We'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.